Thank you for joining us for this episode from AgriSafe Network. AgriSafe's mission is to support a growing network of trained agricultural health and safety professionals that assure access to preventative services for farm families and the agricultural community. National Farm Safety and Health Week 2021 was held from September 19th through the 25th. We hope that this episode helps you to improve the health and safety of the people who feed the world. Okay, well, good afternoon, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and I'm especially excited to be talking about this topic in particular because I think regardless of what field that you're working in or what clients you are serving, all of us are challenged from time to time with what we often refer to as the tough conversation or conversations that we're a little um, nervous or uncertain about addressing because we're uncertain about how the message will be received or how a person will respond to what we need to, to communicate to them. So we're going to be, you know, just kind of going through sort of the, the five things that I try to outline whenever I'm faced with a conversation that I am uncertain about, or I know there could be some emotion tied to. And this is what I also coach my clients to try to work through as they're addressing areas of concern, either in their operations or in their business. So the first thing that I have here is just to keep in mind that although you may, you know, see people that are appear to be good at tough conversations, no one really likes them. This is a skill set that regardless of your personality type, regardless of how bold you are, everyone has to practice how to continue to get better and better at being effective when addressing tough things. So for all of you who are with us today, just know that regardless of whether you think you're a 10 on a scale of 10 or you are a negative 10, no one really likes these conversations. And in fact, I was sharing with Stacy last week when we communicated that I was being faced with a conversation and it took me months to prepare for it. It, yeah, it was a big one. I do this for a living. I coach people how to do this. And yet I was still faced with the situation that it took me a long time to feel like both the message, the opportunity, the setting, and the receptiveness of the person that I needed to talk to were all in a line. So this is just something that takes practice and it's it's something that none of us ever truly feel comfortable with, regardless of how often we have to do it. So one thing that I like to always point out is, you know, the sooner we address issues, the easier they are to resolve. When things continue over a period of time or we see behavior that we are not in alignment with, or we see an attitude that needs to be corrected, whatever the situation is, the quicker we can step in to address it, the easier it will be to resolve. When those things go on, those little monsters go from sort of little irritants and they turn into major issues. Oftentimes we see, particularly in groups of people, it may start with a behavior or an attitude or something that only involves one person. And before too long, if it's not addressed, that one person has now got many people involved in it. The problem becomes less easy to identify. It becomes more difficult to talk about. And we also see that a lot of emotion starts to creep in. 
when emotion gets involved in these conversations, that also is another thing that exacerbates the situation. And we'll talk a little bit about how we remove emotion in order to be able to just get to the root, deal with facts, not emotions, and put solid plans of action and communication strategies in place so that we get better outcomes more quickly. So just always remember that when you see something and you know that it's not correct, just identify that as a little monster. And that little monster, if it's something that we can tackle right now, it's going to be much easier than until we wait until that monster becomes full grown and has friends. It becomes really difficult. So we always want to keep that in mind. Early intervention is good. So here are my five steps that I'm going to talk with you today. So we're going to talk about how to identify the root of the concern. Um, a lot of times we, we are not looking at the root. What we're seeing is the effect or the outcome. And we're, that is the thing we're annoyed by, but we are not really digging in to see what is the root of, of the behavior or the attitude or the way that that person is communicating or showing up for a situation. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm also going to teach you how to clarify the outcome. I see too many times that people step into these conversations in the middle of, you know, being upset or frustrated. They're not very prepared for the conversation. And when it comes right down to it, they're not really uh, very good at articulating what outcome they're actually looking for. So in clarifying that outcome, that also then helps us to outline our message. Because for most of us, you know, if we're going to have a conversation about something, we want it to be a one-time conversation where we get it all out on the table. We are able to discuss all of the things that are happening around that particular um, behavior or incident or whatever it is. And so when we take the time to not only know what outcome we're looking for or what outcome we're, we're working toward, that helps us then to be able to outline the message, which again, then allows us to separate our emotions from the conversation, which helps us to be more effective. Then I'm also gonna talk a little bit about how to select the stage. So this is the time and place and the sort of the tools we're using to have that conversation. I'm sure all of you have experienced, you know, over the course of the last year, we've really retreated behind technology partly because we've had to, but now as it has become easier to come back out into a face-to-face -face situation or into other modes of communication, I'm still seeing that a lot of people are still retreated behind that technology. And sometimes technology can be a real barrier to effective communication, particularly when it is a, a sensitive conversation or it's, it's something that a the person that we're talking to needs to understand and needs to sort of feel how we're coming at it, which is sometimes lost when, when we've got technology involved. And then the fifth thing we're gonna talk about today is how do we come to agreement about things? Um, too often I see people when the conversations are difficult, they rush right in, blurt out their message, the other person goes, okay, and the person who has delivered the message feels like that's buy-in and that the, the issue has been resolved. Very rarely, and I'm sure a lot of you are sitting there smiling, because very rarely is that true, right? There, there can be a perceived agreement or there can be a perceived reception to a message that actually didn't happen. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how we make sure that we actually are in agreement and that we've got the ability to uh, sort of 
put a pin in the conversation there. So in case we don't quite get a full resolution to the problem or we see behavior that is out of alignment with the agreement, we can come back to the agreement to be able to reference that and realign again so that again, we're, we're really addressing um, that monster and not allowing it to continue past the point of the conversation where we've, we've agreed to a resolution. So that is what we're going to talk about today. So let's start by talking about how do we identify the root of the issue. So in celebration of National Safety Week, I'm going to talk about something that I see very often on our farms, which is when we have um, older or aging, or maybe sometimes it's just through some sort of a you know, physical decline where we have to have a conversation with someone about turning over the keys to something, whether that is, you know, taking away someone's combine privileges or taking away the keys to the truck. Um, that is a, a very common conversation that has to happen as we age. And that's often very, very difficult. And it's something that families feel particularly challenged by in terms of how do they step into that conversation. So in using this as an example, um, all of you who are in agriculture know that any kind of transition or succession conversation is very difficult for people. Um, it, it sort of has people facing their mortality. It um, addresses the need to change, which as we know, people find change to be very difficult, even sometimes when it's very positive change, uh, it's hard for people to step into that. And so when we are stepping into a conversation like that, the first thing that we have to do is we have to separate emotions from facts. Too often I see people stepping into the conversation, you know, very personally um, amped up, feeling very sad about the conversation, feeling very um, personally challenged by the fact that someone that they care about is aging and that their relationship to that farming operation has to change. And so one of the things that we always wanna do is really check our emotions at the door and make sure that we are not putting our emotions into an already potentially emotionally charged conversation. When we're dealing with a situation that, that we've gotta be very present for someone, meaning you know, if we're addressing uh, taking the combine keys from dad, for example, you know, really being present to be very aware of how he might be feeling about that, to be aware of how he is responding to the conversation, all of those things, if we personally are in emotion, or we are fearful or uncertain, or are amped up in any way, we're going to be much less able to be able to identify and respond appropriately to the person that we are communicating with. So in identifying the root of the issue, you know, the, it, it's very important to dig beyond the surface level. So um, in a case that we had last year, we had um, a, a father who took out the side of a machine shed with a combine because as he backed out, he didn't realize that the auger was extended. And so as he backed out, he basically took the auger and a significant section of the machine shed down as he was backing out. Now, obviously that would seem like we would have a root cause right there. It's not safe for you to drive this big piece of equipment. However, um, if we just make it about that incident, um, dad would have immediately gone into defensive mode 
he would have been able to deflect that. He would have been able to blame someone else who had left the auger extended. You know, we could have gone chasing many different little rabbit trails of dad trying to get out of the accountability for running that piece of equipment safely. So what we really have to do is look down into what is the root. So we don't want to focus on the incident. We want to focus on the overall process. And so when the family sat down to have a conversation about how do we get the combine keys away from dad, they really had to look at the overall operational performance, the speed with which the grain carts were coming in and out of the field and the fact that the combine wasn't running fast enough to keep up with them. And so they started looking at a lot of things that were impacting the operational performance of the operation, not the fact that dad had ran a combine into the machine shed. So they spent significant time really thinking into that. And then of course, part of the messaging was we care about you and we don't want you to get hurt. But given the fact that he'd never gotten hurt and he didn't get hurt in this incident, that's not necessarily something that's going to resonate with dad as we start to have these conversations. So they spent significant time getting down to the root. How was the tempo of the operation changing? What was going on? You know, we had operators that were ready and able to take over. And they also identified other areas where dad could be more effective because he was still physically, mentally capable of doing those jobs. And they were valuable in terms of um, participation in the operation. So regardless of what situation you are faced with, you know, regardless of what conversation it is, there is what you are seeing and experiencing. And then there's also something deeper than that, that we can usually anchor to, which is going to create some mutual interest in both parties engaging in a conversation. So we could take a look at a lot of different conversations that happen out there in the world of health and safety, but I'm just picking this one because, you know, really with almost all of the farms I've worked with, at some point in time, this is a conversation we're dealing with. Um, for some, it's, it's time to take the truck keys away and not let dad or mom drive on the roads anymore. And that can be really difficult. So um, just regardless of what conversation you are needing to dig into, just look beyond what it is that you're seeing or what's causing the irritation and try to come down into, again, finding a common um, connection point where people can get on the same page and it's not be something that's personal. So once we've identified that, then we can really focus on what is the outcome we want. In this particular story, we wanted dad to willingly turn over the combine keys. So that was the outcome that we were looking for, for, you know, but spending some time really thinking about, particularly if it's a behavior, if it's, um, it's one thing to take keys, that's a physical action, but let's just say it's something that is behavioral. So it might be, you know, trying to get people aligned about start times or quit or quitting times or following of safety protocol consistently. What we really have to do is focus on what is the outcome that we're looking for. And um, again, watching out for emotions is really critical here. So 
one thing that I like to coach people to do is to try to identify the win-win. So if we are talking about, you know, getting dad to turn over the combine keys, what's in it for him that is going to make that feel like a win? Again, some of these things are really tied very closely to succession and transition, which has its own set of complications to it. But when we think about how could we make that a win for dad to willingly turn over those keys, we've got to really think into what motivates him. Maybe, you know, does, is he just, is the combine his favorite piece of equipment? And so that's going to be a real tough thing for him to turn over. Can we find another piece of equipment that's equally fun to operate that we can allow him to do that? Or again, are we trying to you know, attach this transition to moving him into something that he is going to be more motivated by. So when people don't clarify outcomes, they make the situation very much about an individual. And as we all know, when things are, are made about an, an, an individual, it becomes personal and people become defensive, they become resistive, they refuse to participate in the conversation. Um, they will try to get other people on their side to back them up. And so particularly inside of these very tight working groups, um, trying to address one problem, if not addressed correctly, causes a big polarization of people. It gets a lot of people involved in it. And, and then again, that little monster that was so cute when we started is now very large and can be very vicious, which makes it even more difficult to you know, address conversations with people. So when we avoid making it about an individual, um, that becomes really key. So let's just take, a, for example, we've got somebody that is um, consistently operating around a PTO incorrectly. Um, one of the things that I coach people to do is, yes, you have to have a conversation with that person because they're operating around very dangerous equipment inappropriately. But what I also like to do is make that an organizational wide initiative, meaning we are reiterating our protocols and our, our safety procedures to the whole group, rather than pointing out that someone doesn't do that correctly. So I always start with the larger group communication, um, simply because it allows that person who is non-compliant to do some self-evaluation and hopefully course correct. Um, but if they don't do that, that's where the individual conversation comes in. And rather than making it specifically about their behavior, I just simply try to refer back to what the group has agreed to do, which the group has agreed to operate under this particular protocol. And then I try to dig into, I've noticed that this is something that you don't routinely follow. Could you tell me why? And so I, I try to understand what's going on in their mind before we really make this very personal where they get defensive and then they're going to, you know, almost, or they can um, just change direction and they can become purposefully non-compliant, which then that becomes an even bigger issue to deal with. So clarifying the outcome before you have a conversation with someone is very important, especially if they bring emotion into it. Because as you know, when people bring defensiveness, excuses, blame gaming into a conversation, if you're not super clear about what you want or what you're trying to achieve, all of that noise just creates confusion and they can get you really off track. And as soon as you get off track, 
you're probably going to have a tendency to move into emotion yourself. And then that will just escalate and you're probably not going to get a very good outcome. So that clarification is important before you ever get into the conversation. So then the next thing we're going to talk about is once you're sure that you know what your outcome is, then how do you outline your message? So this is something that I religiously do and I teach all of my families how to do this is to, you know, sit down and really outline the message and sort of practice it, write it, read it, think about it a little bit so that you know how you would like to move through the conversation because probably you are the one that is calling um, the conversation to the table. So therefore, if you know exactly how you want to move through it, again, you're not going to get as distracted by their reaction or by their attempts to derail the conversation. So when you're doing this, you're going to want to outline your key talking points. So really write down you know, what is the outcome you're looking for? Um, what are the, the things that you viewed or experienced? Again, trying to be very factual, not getting into emotion. Um, in some of these conversations, you really want to avoid telling people how you feel about something because then it becomes very much your opinion and your feelings, not necessarily about the situation and about uh, you know, coming to a win-win inside that conversation. When you go into the conversation, don't be afraid to take your notes with you. Um, number one, that shows the person that you've taken the time to think about it and that you are prepared. It, it will put and demonstrate to them that you're putting um, priority on this. It's important to you. Um, it also will help you to keep on point and make sure that we're not Again, getting reverting into emotion, getting sidetracked, getting off topic. Um, people who don't, who are very good at getting out of reprimands are very good at creating bunny, little bunny trails. They're also very good at diverting the attention to someone else. So in the instance of taking the keys away from dad, you know, it, it, he could very easily start talking about, well, I don't know why you're picking on me. So-and-so wrecked the skid loader last week and so-and-so tore out a fence and this guy did this. And all of a sudden he has brought an entire group of people into a conversation rather than focusing on the, the conversation and the topic that you're there to discuss. So being prepared for how you're going to deal with that, how you're going to bring that conversation back online and you know, just making sure that you're keeping the focus very narrow, because as soon as you start talking about everybody and all the little accidents that have happened out there on the farm due to improperly running equipment, it's going to be very hard to come to any sort of agreement with dad when it comes time to, to finalize and wrap up the conversation. So, Important that we take time to do this. The bigger and more critical the conversation, the more time I'm going to encourage you to spend outlining messages, um, taking time to review that the next day, giving your time a couple of days to prepare. What I do want to encourage you not to do is don't practice messaging with a lot of different people. So one of the things that we know we see, particularly inside of our family groups, is people love to triangulate. So all that means is instead of talking to dad, I'm now talking to mom about it and my sister about it and my brother about it and the managers about it. 
And pretty soon you've got all kinds of emotions and spin. You've got a lot of people involved in it where they may not be able to do anything about it. So when you're outlining the message, what you may want to do is, is try to figure out who are the people who should be involved in that conversation um, in order to make it effective. Sometimes when we're talking about the example of taking um, equipment keys away from someone, the last thing that you want to do is have their spouse involved if the spouse is going to be very emotional about it. Um, we know that, that sometimes that spouse dynamic is, is not always the most effective way to work through a situation. So figuring out who has influence in the terms of the outcome, who can come into it in a calm, non-emotional way, who is, but if they are not going to be of any help and they may only increase the likelihood that the conversation will derail or go into emotion, it's probably better to choose that they not participate in that. So always choosing the right people for the conversation should be part of this outlining the message. If you are going to have anybody else involved in the conversation, then you want to make sure that they're in agreement with what the talking points are. So again, spending a little time preparing. So once we have our messages prepared, then we can determine where and when does the conversation need to occur? And this is really critical because all of us are um, likely to step into a conversation too soon sometimes. So we may want to address something when we ourselves are at a height of emotion or when we're frustrated or when we've seen the behavior just one time too many and all of a sudden, despite the fact that we've been preparing for it, we're in it because we weren't really controlling the stage and the timing. So everybody has a place where they relax, where they are uh, more likely to be able to hear um, what you're saying to them. Um, I always use the example of my father when I talk about this because my dad uh, cannot sit still. And I'm sure all of you know someone who is like that. They tend to not be able to focus very well when they're being forced to sit. They do a lot better when they are in motion or when they're working on something. So when I have to have a, a serious conversation where I want my dad's full attention, I always pick a time when we're going to be working on a project together. The other thing that I have found that's really effective with my dad is he listens really well when we're in a pickup driving around looking at crops. And so I know if I have something important to talk to my dad about, if I pick the wrong place and the wrong time, I will not have his full attention. My dad also tends to go into emotion really easy when he's not in the right frame of mind to talk about complicated things. So when you think about who you're talking to, try to figure out where is their best place. A lot of people always think it's good to drag somebody into the farm office, and that may be the worst choice possible because either the farm office has too many distractions, too many ears, some people can't hear or concentrate very well when there's a lot of clutter or mess, which we know farm offices can sometimes tend to just be a very busy place full of lots of things that can pull attention. And so we want to make sure that we really think about who we're going to be talking about, 
think about where do they have their best focus, think about the time of day when they focus really well, and try to set that up so that we've got the, the least probability of having a lot of distractions or uh, being in a place where they're not going to be able to focus and because they're distracted or because they're irritated or because they're in a hurry, anything that you say to them is going to be quickly met with resistance. So it's really important that you pick that. Timing is also important. Some people are morning people. Um, they do their best work and best thinking in the morning. Some people are not. And so if you've got someone who is not a morning person, the worst thing that you can do is hit them with some big topic or some big conversation when they're not really fully into their day yet. So that selecting the staging and timing is important because otherwise what will happen if we don't do that again, our tendency is going to be to address something in the heat of the moment and heat of the moment conversations are rarely effective. You're, they're going to be more drawn out than they need to be. They may cut short because someone will just walk away or disconnect from the conversation. And so one thing that I want you to you know, keep in mind, and this is something that's very core in my coaching and my consulting, is that whenever emotions are very high, our intelligence tends to be very low because we're not operating from a place of fact or from logic, we are answering and living in a space where our emotions are in control and our emotions can be very good guides sometimes, but they're not always very well prepared to have a, a conversation based on fact. So you wanna be really cognizant of the fact that picking the wrong place or the wrong time despite the fact that you may know your outcome and you may have your message all outlined, can make the conversation difficult to have and the outcome hard to achieve. So just keep in mind how important that is. And sometimes it's hard to find the right place in time. People are very busy. People are on the move. Agriculture seems to be a space where they're, they're, it's very easy to be too busy to have a conversation. I, I work with families that work together side by side every day and hardly see each other because their operation is big and spread out. So it can be hard to catch them. Uh, so sometimes it's just about being prepared and knowing how to call that meeting um, without, again, causing suspicion or causing defensiveness as you get into it. So how do we come to agreement then? So you know, I used my little example of, you know, someone being in emotion and, you know, just sort of blurting out the message and somebody goes, okay. And so I think, okay, good. They've heard me. We're in agreement. I can go about my day. And the next day we come into work and somebody, the person that I thought we were in agreement is persisting. And so being very mindful and purposeful of being sure that you are in agreement with someone. So if we go back to our example about um, taking the keys away from dad. So we have clarified the outcome we want. We've outlined the message and gotten the right people involved. We've selected the stage. So, you know, if we use the example of my dad, we're probably going to be in a pickup and we're going to be standing in a field looking at crops when we talk about this. And so now I'm having the conversation with my dad and I wanna make sure that we are in agreement. So 
when we're getting into agreement, sometimes, particularly if the conversation goes a little sideways, we have the tendency to try to prove how right we are. And so one of the things as you're preparing for these conversations, be very mindful of, do you want to be right? Or are you wanting to be in a relationship? Because sometimes when we are pushing so hard to be right, we are actually eroding or destroying the relationship with that person. So um, typically I see that in a reduction of trust, um, a reduction of the ability to hear each other. Um, we've stopped really paying attention to what's going on with the other person and we're just pushing our own agenda. So being really mindful about what's the most important outcome and making sure that you understand what you want to walk away having preserved. Now, if the situation is, you know, at the point where that monster has gotten very big and putting dad behind that combine in any scenario just can't happen. And we've let it go on so long that we've got to have a little bit tougher messaging and we've got to have you know, maybe no transition period, but we are actually making a, a full stop halt to his um, running any kind of equipment. That's one thing. But if we are getting ahead of these conversations and we're stepping into them early, we ought to be able to figure out some win-wins and figure out some compromises and figure out transition plans for these kind of things. So as we're talking about that and we're coming up with the plan, if we do it right, you know, most people will acknowledge when they're struggling or when they aren't operating at that same level that they used to. This does not occur when they feel like they're under attack, but if they feel like they are being heard and they feel like they are, you know, communicating with someone who cares, most of the time they will acknowledge where they're struggling. This then allows us to create, you know, that plan that is not only going to work for the operation, but it's also going to work for the person. And so whatever that agreement ends up being, if you can allow for a transition plan, great, or maybe we're stepping them out of the largest piece of machinery and we're stepping them down into smaller, more manageable equipment, or maybe we're getting him on you know, the maintenance team, whatever that is, what we want to do is make sure that we're crystal clear about when does it go into effect? So when will this start? You may also find that particularly if you're talking about any kind of issue where safety has become a problem because it is, it needs to be part of a transition plan or a succession plan, you may want to actually figure out what will that look like? Because they're going to be worried about what will people think? And you've got to kind of take into uh, consideration what they may be feeling, how they feel it will look to other people, what that messaging is going to look like if they say, well, dad's not going to run the track combine anymore because he can't. Well, that's probably not going to create the win-win scenario we're looking for. So creating that um, sort of communication strategy, when will it go to effect, how will we communicate it, who will we communicate it to, all those kind of things have to be part of the agreement. And depending on the person, you may be able to have that conversation all in one go. Sometimes, you know, just out of respect for a person who maybe needs more time to process and think about things, you may need to call a halt to the conversation 
and just acknowledge, I know you might want to think about this a little bit. So could we set up a time in a couple of days to talk about this a little bit further? And then you just set up the next conversation because you've had a lot of time to think about it. You've prepared and got your notes and your talking points and your outcome. But this is a person that maybe is being faced with the reality of someone else's observation and they may need some time to think about it and to come into that conversation more fully prepared to discuss it and to know what they are thinking or feeling about it. If you push that conversation too far, you're going to get them into emotion. And then they're going to be like, nope, I'm not going to talk about it. And I'm too busy to have a follow-up conversation. And I'll just pretend like this didn't occur. And I'm going to ignore you. And for those of us who work with um, families in agriculture, we know that ignoring a problem and ignoring a situation is a very common um, problem. And it's a, it's a strategy that families deploy because things are hard and they are so concerned about preserving the status quo that whenever they perceive that there is resistance, they, they really don't know how to reopen the conversation to pick up something that they may have gotten into just a little bit. So Whatever that you do, wherever you lead that conversation, documenting it in some way is really important. So if we look at this example of, and let's just say we got so far in and dad needs some time to think about it. One thing that you can do is just simply document the conversation in an email, which just says, you know, dad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this. This is what we talked about, and I'm really looking forward to our follow-up conversation in two days after you've had a chance to think about it. Basically, it's not pushing an agenda further. It's not opening doors to other things, but what it is doing is sort of marking the moment and documenting what we agreed to because um, when we are in conversations sometimes where someone is surprised by the topic or unprepared for the topic, because they are trying to process information and get caught up, they may not also be hearing everything correctly and they may not remember what they agreed to. So by documenting it in some way, that just simply allows them to have a point of reference. It also allows you, if they don't come back to you in a couple of days to say, hey, remember we agreed to talk about this, when can we do that? And you kind of have in a way to hold them accountable to an agreement. If it is something that you are wrapping up in one conversation, then it becomes really important to make sure that you're documenting it. Because um, in the example where someone just goes, yeah, okay, and they didn't really agree, they just want you to go away, we need to make sure that we're marking that and documenting it so we have a reference. Because what then can happen is sometimes we see that the agreements don't stick. So we think we've had an agreement, we've had a great conversation, we felt like someone was participating, and then we turn around and we see the behavior continue shortly after we've had the conversation. So by documenting it in some way, you know, even if it is just taking a note right there where you're, you know, if you've got your little notepad or you've got something to write it down, even just doing that right there and saying, okay, dad, listen, I'm writing down that today we talked about this and this is what we agreed to and I'm looking at my calendar and if we were to get together in a couple of days on Thursday, how does 9 a.m. sound? And just in some way getting that documented because 
We know people aren't very compliant by nature unless there's a really, really good reason for compliance. And so we may have to refer back to that. If the agreement was reached and dad said, yeah, I agree, I, I need someone else to take the combine, but then we get into harvest and we're short somebody and dad says, I'll get in the combine and away he goes. What do we do about that? So we've got to be able to reference what we agreed um, in order to make sure that these agreements stick, because it's very easy to find lots of excuses to, to move from where we ended up back into status quo, back into that way we've always done it. And I know all of you on this call have, have heard that probably more times than you'd like to admit, the, the statement of, well, that's just the way we do it, or that's the way we've always done it, or he has always been in charge of that, or whatever it is, but our tendency is always to try to get to what feels normal, what feels like the position where we have to think very little and we can just be in motion. So oftentimes these tough conversations are, uh, you know, have something to do with shifting, right? Shifting a dynamic, moving through a transition, addressing an aging concern, addressing um, something that has changed. A person can no longer physically do what he's done or what she has been doing. Maybe mentally they don't have the capacity. We've got to get that transitioned over for their own safety. And so those agreements and being able to come back to them will make it so that you don't have to continually reopen this as a brand new concern. You're basically running a thread of these agreements as you work with, with these families and with these teams. So when something doesn't stick, go right back to one of our first slides, which is, you know, kill that monster when it's little. Sometimes when we're working with family groups and particularly family leaders, they have a tendency to be really proud of themselves that they addressed a conversation or they opened up a conversation, they got agreement, but then they get so frustrated when a person is not 100% compliant starting the next day. And we know that sometimes compliance takes practice and it takes repetition. And so when an agreement doesn't stick, we've got to be prepared to step in, address that right away, refer back to the agreement, and then realign it if necessary. So sometimes people will agree, like I said, and I know you've all experienced that, they agree in the moment, they then take a chance to think about it, and then they realize they don't agree. And so sometimes we have to realign that. So have another conversation with them, realign that agreement where appropriate, document that realignment, and then you know move into accountability. And sometimes it takes a couple of times because um, people are not always... Um, very quick to be able to come to a conclusion when they're faced with something new. Um, they also may be an emotion themselves. So they may be highly stressed or anxious. They may be preoccupied. So they're having a conversation while distracted. And so just knowing that realignment is usually a part of the process of getting into agreement with someone. And again, to manage our emotions and to make sure that we stay in control of how we're feeling, because the second that we become incredibly frustrated or we become a little bit aggressive or dismissive or whatever that is, we will immediately switch that, you know, that, that relationship with that person and they will respond to the emotion that we're bringing into the conversation. So 
you know, again, it's really important that as leaders who are trying to help um, families and operators get into better positions, make better decisions, do things in um, ways that they have not done in the past, it's very, very important that we ourselves um, maintain kind of our cool center so that we can hear them, we can respond appropriate to them, we can have patience for them, and we can make sure that they, they get to those outcomes that are ultimately going to be better for them. It's going to be more productive, have less safe, safety risk, you know, all those good things that we know happen when we can get people aligned and, and following safety protocols or whatever it is that we need them to align with us on. Uh, very special. Thank you to Rena for being here and for sharing um, all of your important work that you're doing with our audience today. The AgriSafe team would like to thank you for listening to this episode. We hope that you learned something new. We would also like to thank our National Farm Safety and Health Week sponsors for making all this possible. The 2021 National Farm Safety Health Week sponsors are the Ag Health Central State Center for Agricultural Safety and Health, High Plains Intermountain Center for Agricultural Health and Safety, the Northeast Center for Occupational Health and Safety, and the Southwest Center for Agricultural Health, Injury Prevention, and Education. We appreciate these organizations' generosity and dedication in helping us to make the National Farm Safety and Health Week webinars possible. To access the resources and full recording of this webinar, please visit AgriSafe Learning Lab, which can be found at agrisafe.org.